Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I get to speak with Marshall Lally, an underwater photographer and conservationist who I've been following now for quite a few years. We are actually old friends, haven't actually been able to connect until recently back home for the holidays. We bumped into each other and I was so excited to finally get to talk to him in person and bring him on the show because he's designing a really cool life for himself and he's doing some amazing things. And his subject matter is something that I think I think we can all benefit from hearing about because I think his subjects come with a lot of stereotypes and things that are un, untrue. And I'd like to shed more light on his subjects, which are actually sharks. He goes into the water with sharks that most of us would be terrified to go into the water with and he photographs them to shed light on their species and what they're all about. So with that said, I'd like to welcome Marshall to the show. Welcome, Marshall. Thank you, Chapin. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you, dude. I've been following your Instagram now for the last few years, and and some of the photographs you take, man, are just absolutely incredible. So beautiful. And I know you're really passionate about sharks, and, and you're trying to do good things to bring them into a different light within the minds of people who have seen movies such as Jaws. And so maybe let's just start with kind of a little bit about you, where you're from, how you kind of got into this business, and, and we'll start there. Yeah, great. Um, well, I I was uh, born and raised in Newport Beach, and you know I lived near the ocean my whole life. I've seen it almost every day, and um, you know there's so much mystery around it. And growing up, you know Jaws was a you know Jaws was a big big movie. It scared a lot of people, and uh, but for me, really, it sparked an interest. And um, I've always been interested in, in marine life and, you know, started scuba diving at around the age 11 after I saw my first manta ray in Hawaii, just snorkeling. And um, from there on, it's been a passion. Uh, the photography element didn't really come in until 2010, really. I did my first uh, my first shark trip. It was uh, to Guadalupe Island, you know, kind of the whole, it was a cage dive. The whole, the whole Jaws effect is why I got into it, just for fascination purposes. and um, Come the last day of the dive, the last day of the trip, I was just in the cage by myself. Everyone was done for the trip, and I was in there by myself. And a nice, uh, large female great white came by, swam slowly by the cage. I kind of dropped to the bottom of the cage and was, you know, one foot from her eye and made eye contact, felt a connection. And from that point forth, it was uh, my goal is all about saving them and trying to protect them and shed the, you know, the, 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 you know, the perception that they're these, these mindless killing machines. And, um, that's what my photography aims to show is that they have these personalities and they're, they're nothing to be feared. If you, you, know, you gotta be careful, but the, 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 the unrelenting fear is something that is not necessary. So is that first trip then like a tourist trip? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, um, a friend of mine, mutual friend, they had one spot left. It was actually an entire, fraternity from a local college here and they had through a mutual friend i had there's one spot left he asked me if i wanted to go and pretty much my 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 mentality on things is you know try everything once say yes and then figure out the details later and for that one it was 
head down to Mexico and, and get on this boat. And I really, it's kind of a funny story, actually. I didn't, I didn't know anybody on the boat except for the one mutual friend. And, you know, he had 20 other friends on board. And, um, there were the dive leader, the trip, the trip leader is a, someone who's a great friend of mine now. His name is Bob McNerney. And it just so happened that the, the owner of the company had to leave the boat for medical reasons. And they, he called one of his associates, my friend Bob, and he took over and he ran the trip. And what made it, what, how I got so lucky in this whole deal was, and I don't, I don't, don't really know where I'd be today without this happening, unfortunately for the guy who almost lost his leg. But, um, my friend Bob, he took over the trip and, he engaged me and, and, you know, started and told me stories about, you know, tiger sharks in Fiji and, you know, these bull sharks in the Bahamas and things like that and how showed me his camera with a tooth mark in it. And, and he really was trying to, he could tell that I had something I was, I was interested more so than everyone that was just doing like the, uh, you know, the bucket list kind of check mark thing off of their bucket list kind of um, trip. And I would, you know, he was engaging me and he was telling me this is something, you know, it's really fun to do. And, and I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'll just, I'll stay in this cage thing. And, um, and then we, but he stayed in touch and he kept, you know, um, you know, asking me if I was interested in doing, you know, the, a trip or something like that. And, and then wildly enough, it was, that was, that was in 2007. And then in 2010, he gave me a call and he said, you know, we found this massive group of whale sharks that aggregate off the coast of Mexico. That's actually an island that I go to every year now in the summer called Isla Mujeres. And it's about 15, 15 minutes ferry off of Cancun. And then about 20 miles off there, there are two to 300 whale sharks in the summer that get together to eat this bonita spawn. And it's an amazing sight. You see fins everywhere. And when he asked me if I want to go on this trip, which they had pretty much just discovered, uh, first thing I thought was, well, they're, they're huge, which is cool. They have no teeth and they're harmless, which is, you know, that's great. Cause I was, you know, really, really green at that point. So went on this trip and uh, it it was just it was just fascinating and I met some people on it who are are some of the best in their field at photography. One uh, one uh, for instance, his name is Rob Stewart. He made a film called Shark Water, which is an amazing documentary about the shark finning business and and the poaching of sharks. And um, a friend of mine, one of my mentors named Sean Heinrichs, who was in the film called Racing to um, Racing Extinction. And these guys are truly some of the best what they did. And what they do, and they were really nurturing to me to get me into this and, and you know, help me with my photography. And, and, you know, a lot of people are, it's a competitive business at the same time. So, you know, a lot of people don't share tips about, you know, how they get the shots, how they do that, how they edit. And um, in my case, I happened to stumble upon a group of people who couldn't have been more of the opposite. They were just nurturing, sat with me in the, in, you know, in rooms, showed me how their pro their workflow and their process and how they got shots. and then. It became a mutual, uh, you know, it became a camaraderie more than a competitiveness. And, and uh, I really benefited from that. It sounds like it. Can we just revisit really quickly? Cause it's weighing on me. The guy who almost lost his leg, was that in relationship to being bitten or was that something completely different? I'm sorry. No, um, I thought that when I said that, I should have clarified that he had to leave the boat. He had a, a, a bacterial infection in his leg. It was not from a shark bite or anything like that. He, he had MRSA, and <laughs> so he had to get off the boat for to deal with that. It was not from a, a shark attack. Okay, so. okay, cool. Well, yeah, that's interesting because you you started with your adventures within the t in the cage, and I know that you don't use the cage anymore at all, or do you use it sometimes still? You're pretty much free diving with sharks at this point. Is that correct? Correct, correct. The um, 
you know, it's very hard. There are certain permits to get, um, basically Guadalupe Islands, one of the only places, there are very few places where white sharks come together, actually. They're, their numbers are, are, are quite low, uh, much lower than many would think. Um, so there, the Mexico, the, and, and just for, and it's actually better for the, it's safer for everybody because this is a trip that everyone can go on. Um, they make it difficult to swim outside of a cage with the white shark in Mexico water, Mexican waters. Um, that is the only shark at, um, that I am in a cage for. Um, everything else is, is scuba and free dive. Okay, so with the white sharks, you are in a cage, but with tiger sharks, bull sharks, every other thing out there, you're in the water right next to them. Hang on. Correct. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. In- incredible. That's amazing, man. Um, what is your favorite shark at this point? Man, I, I, you know, you got to say I, I'm a shark conservationist. So I have to say I love them all, but I'd have to say that a tiger shark is the most amazing creature on this planet in my eyes. They are sentient beings. They, they're, they, don't come at you aggressively at all. It helps a lot that we're in the Bahamas. It's shallow water. Sharks' natural predation method is to come from below and kind of surprise attack. We're on the bottom in about 12 to 15, some, you know, max 20 feet of water. And the shallower the water, the slower they move. Mm-hmm. So we sit there. We will fill crates with, with bait just because without that, without that scent in the water, they would want nothing to do with us. Honestly, the bubbles scare them. Uh, hammerheads especially are, are very timid sharks um, but we get in the water with these tigers and you know we, we sent the water we'll, we can see them from the boat we, we don't want to get in too early and scare them off because believe it or not they they will scare off and um, we sit there and sent the water and we we get in and observe them and we let them we, they come up the slick from the bait and they'll bump they'll come up to the camera they'll bump the camera out of curiosity never do they put their mouths around the camera to bite um, they're very calm. They'll come up. All you do is really take a, I have a, the camera's quite large, but a GoPro on a, on a pole works just the same for safety purposes. And they'll come up and you bump and you simply guide them to your left, or your right. You leave them and out to, so they don't feel trapped in and kind of panic. And you leave them a little open highway to get by you. And they'll repeatedly for sometimes about four or five, six days at a time, stay in the water with that scented bait there. And all day they will come and make circles by you. And you sit there and you get to observe their beauty and photograph them as close as you want, as distant as you want. And, uh, it's a pretty magical experience. I have to say it's one of my favorite things to do on this, on this earth. Sounds like it, man. It sounds magical. Now I have seen a few photos of you actually, um, touching, engaging them with your, with your touch is what's that about? Is that something like, it looks like you're petting a dog almost. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's, 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 it's funny you say that. Um, I really, it kind of does feel like you're, you're playing with a puppy dog in your living room at times with them. They get very comfortable with you. Um, they'll come up and really what I'm doing with my hand is they, they have a, on their nose, they have these, these sensors. They're called the ampullae of Lorenzini and they're very, it's very sensitive. And actually what I do is when they come up, rather than kind of bump with the camera, I'll take my hand right on their snout and scratch with my fingers right on top of their snout there where it's very sensitive to them. And I just kind of feel like I should, you know, showing a little bit of a, an affectionate touch to them. I, I think it calms them. It, it's proven not to harm them. And it's just a, it's just a way to, to engage, engage myself more. I see. Is yeah. there any like other scientists out there who are against that sort of contact with sharks or does everyone kind of agree? Like that's not a big issue. It's, it's pretty much agreed that it's not a big issue. There are always going to be people that, that have different opinions. 
Um, but it's, it's generally, uh, recognized that it does not harm them. There are certain areas where it is forbid. It's just from the government, um, you know, forbids it like the uh, whale sharks in Mexico. You're not allowed to touch them there. And that makes sense because there are so many tourists in the water and, and you, it helps to have a glove on. You don't want your skin to come in contact. Um, but for the most part, we're always wearing gloves and, com- and in complete black, um, swimming with tiger sharks just so there's no miss. Uh, you know, misrepresent. They're not confused by skin tone and and fish. You know, you don't wear you don't wear jewelry. You want to you want to make you you want to set the sharks up for success in the long run by you know not confusing them in any way. And um, it's it's proven not to hurt their their external layer, and um, that's good enough for me because petting them is a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of strategy that goes into this, a lot of calculation. Can you kind of take us through uh, a, a normal day's dive and how you prepare for that? I mean, I know you've touched yeah. upon the baiting and everything like that, but like, can you go through the gear that you use? You know, you said black wetsuits is a very conscious decision you make in order to stand out and not look like food. Maybe you can take us through a day of diving. Sure, sure. Um, generally, the, when we first show up on, a, on the site, there's a there's an area in the Bahamas, it's called Tiger Beach. And um, it's an area where, where large female tiger sharks come together. And so we go to the, it's basically just a, a coordinate on the map. We'll get there, come, you know, we'll do three or four day, three, four or five day trips there. Um, we'll get there day one and we'll instantly put, it's called a SAD, a shark attraction device. And it's basically a big PVC tube full of fish. And we'll, we'll suspend that in the water about 10 feet off the bottom and let the currents carry that scent. And that's really the starting off point for the entire trip. Once that scent's in the water, once the sharks show up, then we'll we'll send a crate down with a diver, and we'll just start you know kind of kind of um, you know knifing some bait, letting it kind of big chunks get in the water and get them attracted. And once the sharks are there and they're comfortable and they're they're with the scent, then we have divers on the boat, and it's basic scuba gear. Um, and I, like I said, we want to always be in black. The contrast is is something very important. You don't really want to have that skin tone it might look like fish. You want to be wearing a hood so your hair is not you know, waving around, looking like a, you know, a fish skin or scales. Um, and it's, it's really actually a very simple, the dive is very simple. It's, it's beginner diving. You want to have good dive awareness. You always want to have your head on a swivel. Not that they're coming up to seek behind you, but they are curious animals. So you want to always keep eye contact. And the thing about sharks is eye contact is very important because anything that they predate upon doesn't look them in, doesn't look them in the eye. They're always swimming away. So you look at a shark and you make eye contact, which is, which happens by the, like, you know, they're not just black holes or they have, you know, they're, they're, they're taking this all in. If you make eye contact, they know that you're not really on their menu. And so when you do that, the diving is very simple. We're on standard scuba tanks. Um, you know, you want to wear a hood, like I said, and, um, whether you have a big camera or even what they do, if you're not a photographer and you want to swim with sharks, which is definitely encouraged, you just have to have a, basically a vertical pipe. And it sounds, you know, thin and like it's not going to do a lot, but sharks won't really turn on their side to bite. They're going to come up. They're going to see this vertical object and they're going to see that it's not anything that they're interested in eating. And they'll swim right by you and uh, to the side and continue on their day. And so wait, what's the pipe for again? Is that like just a vertical piece of deterrent? Um, oh, I see. You know, something that they, they'll get, they're going to see and they know it's nothing that they're interested in. Okay. And it just keeps a, a little element in between you and the animal. Okay, kind of like a distancing stick of some kind. It's not to like to bat them, you know, or mm-hmm. poke them away. It's just to hold there 
and they're not going to bump that, go around it to try to uh, get closer to you at that point. I see. Now, how do you perpetuate this lifestyle? I mean, how do you maintain? It's got to be an expensive lifestyle with all the travel and, and the boating and equipment. And yeah. you, have, you have some support through sponsors um, or something like that? My, I have um, the people at, at Ruka have been incredibly supportive of, of this, this photography thing. What is Ruka? Ruka is a local lifestyle company located in Southern California, and they spell it R-V-C-A. And a friend of mine, Mike Brophy, is the, the surf manager there. And he came up, approached me one day and, you know, said is, you know, was just curious about what I was doing. And, you know, I told him, you know, just he could see my passion for this. And he told me to come by the place, uh, their factory. And, you know, they gave me a, a great wetsuit that I wear, um, you know, a nice three mil wetsuit because the water I'm in generally is pretty warm. And uh, I go by there and get some clothes and they, you know, uh, help promote me through their Instagram and it's just nice. It's just, it's nice to have support, be a part of a team, you know, and aside from that, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest. It's a, it is a very expensive thing to get into. Um, it's kind of called what's a, what's called a loss leader is you kind of have to invest a lot in yourself and, and equipment, but mostly in belief in yourself that someday you'll be able to turn this thing into something because you, you're not going to go on your first trip and, with a you know five ten thousand dollar camera gear and your first time in the water with sharks and nail every shot you know you have to go on quite a few trips you have to get the time you have to understand their their movement and their you know their flow basically to get in the right position at the right times and and and, and get the right shot so it's taken years um that's that's for sure i'm not going to sugarcoat on that but things are finally starting to come around i'm going to have a book coming out pretty soon here and, um, and a photo gallery. And really for me, that would be uh, that's pretty much the dream. All right. So have you been able to sell any of your um, photographs up until this point? Yes, I do. I do. People get it's really through social media. Uh, people get in touch with me through messaging. And at this point, you know, I have a, I have a, I put a lot of them on canvas, most of them on canvas and people write me a message. They say, I, I just ask them to say, what, what animal are you interested in? Um, they'll let me know. Let me know the sizing, send them a few proofs, and um, get a go from there and have them printed up and shipped out within a week. So you take your photographs and then transfer it onto canvas for like correct. big big fo- like big painting almost on the wall. Correct, correct. I think the underwater photography translates to canvas very well. Um, when you're when you're shooting above above sea level um, in air, <laughs> there's 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 matter in the air that you have to shoot through, but it's clear. Um, in the water there's always some something in between you and the, and the subject matter. Um, so putting on canvas kind of gives it a nice middle ground. And I think, I think underwater looks really fantastic on canvas. And the thing about underwater as well, in terms of just shooting with lenses, um, like all the photos you see of mine, I'm shooting with a 15 millimeter fisheye lens for the most part. And if you know how that works is, the animal, the shot, if it's a shot that looks like the shark is very close to me, in reality, it's about three to four times closer than it appears. Um, and the, the purpose of that is to get that animal as close as you can and get the whole animal in the frame with having as little space in between the, the lens and the animal to keep it clearer, sharper, and uh, really show you the, the soul of the animal. Hmm. Interesting, man. I mean, with all these, how many dives do you think you've been on at this point? How many sharks have you been in the water with at this point? How many sharks or how many dives? Sorry, yeah, let's say shark. Like, uh, how many 
sharks that could potentially be dangerous have you actually been in the water with throughout the last the years that you've done this? Thousands? Oh, yeah. I, I, well, dangerous probably, probably more the, the hundreds because the thing is the sharks are not as, as, as the numbers are not what everyone thinks. You, people look at the ocean, they think there are sharks everywhere. The fact of the matter is, you know, there are not. I'll go to the Bahamas, say, to that, that location called Tiger Beach, which is, I mean, it's called Tiger Beach because of the tiger shark population there. When in reality, we're talking, you know, the most I've seen at one time, which is a lot, and it, it turns into a really intense dive, which, which is a lot of fun, but, you know, eight, nine, ten tiger sharks. I mean, even in Guadalupe, Mexico, where there's the largest, you know, congregation of white sharks in the world, I mean, the most you see is probably 15, 20 different ones in a trip. So the numbers of sharks are not always huge. I'm not surrounded by, I mean, there's lemon sharks, which are, you know, they only eat fish. They're very, they're, they're almost white noise when there's tiger sharks around. You don't even notice they're there. At that time, there are about 40 to 50 lemon sharks around, which to a lot of people is, is, is pretty gnarly. I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of teeth. That's a lot of fins around you. Um, but they're pretty, for the most part, relatively harmless. Um, most tiger sharks I've been with at one time in the water is about eight. And what's the average size? Um, there, they're about 12 to, I think the biggest I've seen is about 17 feet. Wow. Um, which is a massive shark. It, you, you know, when you're in the water with a tiger shark, you can feel their presence. You know that they're there. You, you, you can feel them. So when you, you know, a 17 foot shark comes around, you're, you're definitely aware of, of her presence. I say her generally where we go there, they're females. Okay. Um, we'll touch up on the conservations and the actual shark numbers in a minute, but I kind of want to get into like, so then what's the craziest thing that you've seen underwater? Like, you know, have you had any close calls? Well, <laughs> yeah, I have. And, um, and I, I, the thing was, it was caught on, on film and, um, I had, we watched it and had it Im- immediately deleted because it could have looked like it was r- much worse than it was, than it actually was. Um, and this took place in right in basically in between, uh, Florida and the Bahamas kind of right in the middle there. And, um, what happens there in the winter months is there's a, a uh, that's where the, uh, the great hammerhead sharks show up to these waters for un- reasons we're still trying to figure out. Um, but that's where you generally one of the best places in the world to go to encounter, to encounter great hammerhead sharks. And there are great hammerhead sharks are a specific species of shark. It is. That's the common name. There are about, I believe there's seven species of hammerhead. There's, you know, what we have here in California is a, a scalloped hammerhead that basically comes up from Mexico. Um, but the great hammerhead is the common name and they are, they are the largest of the hammerhead, um, classification. Um, they have the second largest dorsal fin in the ocean next to the orca whale. And they are, and you know, they're, they're cephalofoil, their head, that actual hammer is very wide and they're a powerful, powerful shark and they're beautiful. They're not, not powerful in a, in a bad way. They're just, they're very strong and they're dominant, dominant sharks. Um, and what happened actually to me was, um, it, it, I was, there were about four of us down and I was on top of the, of, on top of the bait. And what we do there is we actually feed, feed the sharks as they, they'll take big laps and I'll take a piece of fish out and I'll hang it and I'll drop it. You don't, they don't come eat it right out of their hand. You send them up basically by kind of dangling it and then you drop it when they're about three feet away and they'll come up and they'll, They'll scoop it out right in front of you. And what we're doing for that is to, there's a photographer used on one side to get that shot of the, of the shark biting that fish. Unfortunately for me, this um, particular shark, the food might have been a little bit too big 
And I went to drop that piece of fish for him to, for actually it was a female, I'm sorry, for her to, to eat. And she took it. But the thing about hammerhead sharks and great hammerheads, even great hammerheads being as large as they are, their mouths are not very big. They have small teeth. So this fish, this piece of fish may have been too big and she took it and took it up above me. And I, I consider that fish consumed and I was waiting for the next shark to come around. You always want to keep your eye on the one coming up the bait slick. Um, if that makes sense. Well, this shark that I fed went to get a better grasp of that piece of fish and it actually dropped onto my head. Oh. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they can turn so fast. So she, she dropped it. It actually fell on my head. And right when it was about to get on my head, she had turned and she came and she plucked it, literally plucked it right off of my head. Um, their head, their, 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 that hammer, their, it's called a cephalofoil, is so wide that their eyes are, you, you can picture their eyes are about four feet apart. Well, once they get close, all she was doing was smelling where that fish was. She wasn't looking at me. She didn't know where she was. She would, all they do is really scent that fish and they come up and they take it from where they smell it. Well, she, luckily for me, it was right, it was right above my head. She took it right off. And unfortunately, their hammerheads have these little teeth that stick out, basically, you know, stick straight out of their mouth. And it's for, it's for, you know, grabbing fish out of the sand, little, little, little fish. And, uh, those three little teeth, you know, punctured my head. They um, actually punctured your head? It actually did punctured my head. Yes. Um, which was, which was scary and it hurt. Um, but at no, and I had, I had three little holes that came, I went up and, uh, you know, filled them with some glue and some soap and got right back in the water. But uh, the, my point being is it was as gnarly as it looked, it was not a, uh, it was not a, 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 a malicious act by the shark by any sense. And, you know, that's, and that's something I just like to, I mean, I'd like to tell a story because I think it's, I think it's kind of cool. I'd tell it for safety. Um, I want, I tell people that are doing this to, you know, always keep an eye on that passing animal. Don't get too, you know, worried about what's coming up and make sure that fish is consumed and always keep your head on the swivel. And one thing I did, I made a mistake. Another mistake I made was I did not have a hood on. On this dive, the water was warm. I didn't think I needed a hood. Mm. Well, you know, that also comes into play where maybe the hair, you know, wag, you know, waving in the water played a part of it. I don't know. Um, it's just much safer to uh, have a hood on. And again, I like to just reiterate that that shark had no malicious intent. It was just looking for food and we were, we were feeding them and that was it. But again, regardless, we deleted the video. I didn't want it getting out there and you know how the internet can go. And next thing you know, it's a shark, a, you know, a guy from California attacked by a, hammerhead shark no i see your point i see your point and you know i think you probably want to keep it for your own purposes but yeah it's just it's terrible when it does get out there and is projected in the wrong context that people then become even more afraid of sharks you know that's uh uh, my the way i try to i'm conscious not to humanize the animals um it's hard to do sometimes because i feel such a close bond to them but i mean the whole goal of my photography is it's, it's, it's selling prints is great and Showing people I really, my real purpose is telling stories, gaining, you know, giving people some awareness and, and some education about, you know, their play, like we'll get into in a bit, I'm sure. Um, but it's not to, uh, it's to show them as the opposite of this misperception, like I said. So, um, that's something I don't, you know, the, the hammerhead incident is something I didn't want out there. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump into that and in the conservation side of things where, you know, you kind of touched upon the shark populations not being as big as big as people think. Can you go into some numbers for us and give us some perspective on that? Sure, sure. Um, there is, uh, 
you know, aside from commercial fishing, um, in, in sport fishing, there, the numbers are, are quite staggering for the amount of sharks killed per year for shark fin soup in China. Um, it's a, it's a, they call it a traditional, a traditional thing there. However, it was only, it's only been around China for the past about 60, 70 years. And it's, um, it's a very expensive product, these, these fins of these sharks. And what it does, uh, just to back on, on why they're being killed, what they're being killed for, is that they take the, the fins of these sharks and they put it in a soup. And it gives no flavor. It just gives a texture. It's the fibers inside of the fins, either the caudal fin, the, you know, the tail fin or the pectoral fins or the dorsal fin, basically a fin on the shark's body. And it gives a texture to this soup. And what they do in China is they, they give it away. They, they give it at, at banquets and weddings. And since the rate of cancer in sharks is so low, in their minds there, they feel like they're bestowing good, good health on their guests. And, and, and a show, it's also a show of wealth because the, the fin costs so much that they're showing good health and wealth to you by consuming the soup, which is, shows no medicinal properties whatsoever. Um, and unfortunately, the, the method, not to get too, too dark about it, but these sharks are fished and they bring up, they bring them up on the boat and they'll just cut the fins off of the animal and throw the, the, the still breathing alive shark back in the water with no method of, of swimming and staying alive to die a really slow, um, pretty painful looking, looking demise. Um, and it's all for the purpose of, you know, the fins weigh far less than the entire animal. Some of these sharks are, you know, 600, 700, up to a thousand pounds, even more. And they'll take these fins because they only weigh, you know, 10 pounds or so and they can fill more on the boats. And, um, it's really, it's really sad. And, and that's all for a demand in China, basically. And, um, it's estimated per year that about 73 million sharks are killed for their fins alone. And up to 100 to 150 million sharks are killed through other means of sport fishing, trophy fishing, which is really sad, you know, to basically they'll kill these animals to, to have a set of jaws on their wall and, um, or shark skin boots or something like that. Very rarely are they actually consumed for their meat, which all in all is not even safe to consume anyways with the mercury content in it. But so, yeah, so the, and my point being is that these numbers are not, they're, they're large numbers and in the, in the re reproduction, shark's reproduction is very slow. You know, they don't, they don't reach sexual maturity until 13 years, you know, and, and, the, and their pups, they, they don't give many, uh, tiger sharks, you know, maybe 10 to 15 pups. And that takes them that long to give that many. And you can see just by those low numbers that, you know, the, the odds of those 10 pups making it to 13 years with, with fishing is, and, and it's not just fishing, but it's, it's long lining and it's trawling. And it's just irresponsible fishing methods that these animals are just not our, our, our system and what's allowed and what's legal is not set up for them to, to succeed. And our oceans need these apex predators to keep everything in check. They're very important. And people see them as this, they, they still fish them and get a thrill out of it because of jaws and it's really sad because i can't think of anything less like jaws than a you know a six foot little blue shark that does not consume for eating but people will still kill it and you know take a pic just to take a picture with it and uh in reality they're 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 vital to our ocean's health now are they targeting specific types of shark for shark fin soup or is it just any shark will do any shark will do very indiscriminate it's really sad the um and actually they will which the worst case is they will they will target a whale shark 
Um, now there, whale shark is the largest fish in the ocean, harmless, and, and, and they're just a beautiful, massive creature. Well, they'll be, they'll kill a whale shark for the fins, but here's the, the really disturbing part is the fin of the whale shark does not have these fibers that goes in the soup. The, the, the worst part about the killing of the whale shark for this, and I laugh because it's so disturbing almost, is that they'll take the fins and they'll sell it to a restaurant strictly to hang in the window. Because if you can afford to hang this beautiful whale shark's dorsal fin in your window, it's a sign that you have the best shark fin soup that you can afford to have make the best. So not only is it killed for the fins, but it's they're killed to hang in a window, which is utterly um, sad. Yeah. So out of those numbers you cited, it sounds like roughly 200 million sharks a year killed for their fins? It's estimated. Yeah, uh, no, uh, closer to 100 a year for their fins. Okay. Um, Almost double that in terms of uh, sport fishing, trophy fishing. Um, you know, there's tournament fishing of sharks, and the, all they do is bring them back to the docks to weigh and take a picture with. And they say, you know, they they say they give the meat out, which is fine. Which is fine. You know, if you're gonna do that to an animal, I, I, at the very least, you could do is consume it, you know, t- head to tail. Um, however, the the mercury c- content, which has been shown, uh, a friend of mine out of Australia, her name is Madison Stewart. Um, she made a film called Shark Girl and she does great conservation work. And she exposed and did tests on, on shark that was sold in a Woolworths there. And she tested it for its mercury content and it was through, through the roof, uh, what's, what's suggested intake of mercury and what was actually in this meat. Because these animals, they, they eat all the way down the food chain. So all of the mercury that's in the water that comes through these small fish, the apex gets all of that mercury buildup by eating the, the lesser, which is eating the smaller fish and so on and so forth. So their mercury levels are through the roof. Um, and it's not really, a lot of people don't really know that, you know, pregnant women, it can, it can cause, you know, damage defects, to, their, yeah. to their fetus and, and, and children, you know, their brain development. And then even adults, if you consume mercury high uh, proteins daily, you can get mercury poisoning and potentially die. Wow. What? Um, sorts of groups do you support? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, a group I work closely with, they're called Wild Aid. And um, they're a four-star conservation group with 100% rating, which basically means they're responsible with their spending. Um, and they do they do everything by the book the right way. You know, there's a lot of groups that, that say they're conservation. And, and they're, I'm sure they all do, do things that are beneficial. However, they have incredibly high infrastructure costs and large offices in their and uh, they, I, they, they do it for a good reason, but I don't think the, the purest right reason. Um, excuse me. Whereas Wild Aid will, um, they spend all of the money responsibly. They spend a, we don't really hear about them a lot here because we don't have the problems with shark finning in the United States. We, a few states, California included, have banned the sale of them, which is a step in the right direction. Hawaii's completely banned shark fishing altogether, which is great. Uh, Rhode Island recently passed a shark fin ban where it's illegal to sell them. Um, but really the problem is, like I said, and not to disparage the Chinese, cause there's, I'm sure there's a lot of really great people there. Um, but they spend their money there for, uh, public service announcements. Uh, they have ambassadors like Yao Ming and Jackie Chan, who are big, big voices in China. Um, and they have actually, so they spend their money on public service announcements there. Um, I work with them to make, you know, um, on these public service announcements. I help them guide whale shark trips with donors. We spend a lot of money all for the benefit of conservation to swim with these animals. And I photographed them doing it. And that's one of my contributions, which I'm very proud of, because that money goes directly towards these PSAs and 
through this company, I hold them very much responsible for the decline in shark fin soup consumption in China. As a demographic between 20 and 60, the shark fin soup consumption is down 85 to 90%, which is a really good sign. Um, you know, it's generally the older, older generation. They're still believing in it. Um, but without a group like Wild Aid, these, these numbers and these, and, and these, the, the, the light shed on this problem would be, would be swept under the rug there. So, you know, there's a lot of people doing good work and, um, I'm proud to be a part of Wild Aid. They, they do great work. They also, I mean, chart the, the ocean is what's closest to my heart, but all wildlife is. And they, you know, they work towards, uh, protecting elephants from being, being, you know, poached for their, their, their tusks and, and rhino horns and tigers killed for their, you know, their, their skin pelts, you know, so really class organization. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. Their, their, their tagline is when the buying stops, the killing can too. So what they really try to do is shed light on trying to get people to stop buying these products. Cause once you, once you end that, that demand, the supply of it, there's no point in supplying it. Go it, you know, there, it's, you don't get paid for it and the supply will eventually dwindle. That's the hope. And it seems to be, seems to be coming to fruition, which is a really great sign for a lot of our, our very vulnerable and beautiful wildlife. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do they have any numbers on what they guesstimate to be the populations of say specific types of tiger sharks left in the world? Do they have the, is that possible? I'm sure it is. It's all rough. Um, those, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head. I'm sorry, but um, you know, there's a lot of work. There's, there, you know, there's tagging. Um, that's a whole other issue. Some, some tags I'm opposed to these permanent drilled tags in the dorsal fins, um, that, you know, people pass off a lot of work for being for conservation. Uh, truth of the matter is a lot of it. Um, there's been a few uh, shows on, on TV, one called Shark Men, um, which then became Shark Wranglers and they called it a, a conservation show. And what they do is they, they land these animals and they, they do a permanent, drill through their dorsal fins with these these satellite tags and they say it's for conservation they're mo- checking their movements which i'm sure it's it, it it does do that however what they do through that company as well is they'll, they'll sell an application for your phone to where you can go on your phone and you can see where these sharks are and you, it costs 9.95 and um not there hasn't been one conservation effort that has come that has passed or come to fruition through their use of these tags and to me there are much more responsible ways to to track these animals, less invasive ways. And um, um, but I kind of got on a tangent there, just because that's a another issue that's close to my heart. But um, the numbers, the numbers are just like I said, they're not as much as we know. They travel a lot, and the best the best way to track them is to have these ping tags that will pop off, and we'll get a we'll get a, a feel for mostly what we're looking for is their their highways, where they travel to to breed where they travel to for unknown reasons. And what we really, this point of the tags more so than numbers is to try to see where they're going to protect those areas in between and try to get, you know, things passed against long lining in those areas and make, uh, you know, sanctuaries in those areas, so on and so forth there. So the numbers, what do you think the most intelligent shark that you've swam with is? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I would, I mean, just, just, you know, just from the connection and, and looking at their, looking in their eye, I would, I would be, I would have to think tiger sharks, um, based on their movements, based upon their, 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 their calculating and their cunning, not, not in a, a bad way to get at you, but just, they seem to move with a, with a, with a very dedicated purpose and very coy. They don't waste a lot of energy. 
um, on something that's unnecessary. Like I see a lot of sharks scampering all around, just getting at anything. Tiger sharks are, and they're also, you know, the boss of the area most of the time. Um, I would have to say a tiger shark. Yeah. From my personal experience, but you know, it's, uh, when you get close to any of these sharks, again, their eyes look, you know, on, on, on TV and on pictures a lot of time, you don't quite see that, that cornea. And when you swim next to one, even a whale shark, they, their eyes are orbital, orbital. And they look up and down. They're looking me right to left because they swim slow enough so I can swim next to them. Um, generally out of breath by the time I'm done, but they're looking up and down. And I like to wear a mask with reflection. So they kind of actually are checking themselves out because they don't, if we forget they don't have mirrors to even see what they look like half the time or any of the time. Is there any, do we actually know what they're seeing? Like, like dogs, they say only see what black and white or something like that. What do sharks see? I just, I, what I've, heard is or come to understand is that it's just they see a lot of contrast and they really see more with their with their senses and their nose and their their lateral lines that move down the side of their body where they can feel any vibrations coming on around them and and their senses like that, that drop of blood in the water from a mile away it's probably close it's not that they sense that blood and they're going to charge after it to make an attack of something but it is probably possible that their senses are so heightened that they could feel it and they could definitely feel a, a fledgling fish. That's, you know, a hundred yards away. That's for sure. And then how far are these sharks traveling in general? Some, some farther than others. Some stay. That's another thing we don't, we don't really know that sharks are, are very mysterious animals to us. We know more about a lot of things and galaxies far away than we do about sharks movements and, you know, like a, a great white, a white shark has never been caught on film uh, mating, for instance, or giving birth. I mean, we've, we've known, they've been around for 300 million years. You know, we've had good camera systems are always getting better. I'm sure someday with a underwater drone we'll have, we'll, we'll capture it, but we don't know where they go to, to even mate. I mean, there's a, there's an area between California and Hawaii called, they call it SOFA and it's called the shared offshore foraging area. Um, and we thought we, we tracked a lot of them through tags going to this area. So we were thinking, you know, we, when we say we, I mean, people that were interested in knowing, thinking, um, you know, they're going there to, to breed. Well, it turns out the males were going a couple hundred miles farther north and the females were going south or vice versa. I can't remember which, but they weren't, they were going to this area, but not coming together. So then right when you think you have something, you're on a path of something they're doing, they go and do that and just throw you a huge curveball and you start all over. And these are white sharks? These are white sharks, correct. Wow. That's so interesting, man. They're such, yeah, mysterious, fascinating creatures. And thank you for sharing all the you know, insightful information with your experiences about them. Um, where can people find you if they want to kind of see your work online and, and kind of what you're about? Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. My, my website is being developed actually as we speak. Um, I was anxious to get this done with you, uh, rather than put it off and have it done first. Um, it's M as my first name, my last name, Lally, L-A-L-L-Y, and then photo, mlallyphoto.com. Cool. And cool. until then, actually, um, I think that some of kind of the best way is maybe give me a, a follow, I'm not looking for followers, but to stay in touch uh, through Instagram. And it's my name, Marshall, with an underscore, and then Lally. And uh, I'll keep you up to date on developments with the website and, and travels and you know things like things of that nature well thank you man i you know for any of the listeners out there who might want to get involved in either the conservation side with sharks or just 
diving in general with these animals, what would you say is the best way to start? Um, that's a good, that's a great question. Um, best way to do it is I think to, to get a passion and, and, and get your feet wet really and take, take something to document it even as, as simple as a GoPro, which is an amazing tool, you know, get in the water and, and don't be, don't be afraid. Go with someone reputable and not, don't go, definitely don't go for the cheapest because with that, you just get lack of experience generally. And you know, I just, just do your, do the best to, to learn as much as you can. That's, and that's what I did for about three years before I actually started going on ships. I just wanted to learn. And um, then I, you know, that was even just about a fascination. Then I start learning that they're an animal that, uh, you know, is, needs, needs help. And that, then it turned into me trying to be a, you know, trying to help conserve their, their existence, you know, but it took a, it just took a passion at first. And, and as far and, as um, like cool dives go though, do you have one that you'd say like, this is a must do, you should definitely do this one dive if you're going to do this Absolutely. type of sport. Absolutely. Um, my, if, if you're certified to see that, the, the great part is there's a lot of things to do if you're certified as well as not being certified. If you're not certified to scuba dive, which is the most common, there are things like the whale sharks off of the coast of Mexico, um, East Lumujeras. There are a bunch of, da- a bunch of day trips there. I, I organize a, a three day trip myself. Um, a friend of mine, Jim Abernathy puts together trips out there and it's hundred percent safe. You go out with experienced people, experienced photographers. If you want to wear a life jacket, you know, your swimming is not the best. That's fine too. And you get to just, you can sit there and float around with hundreds of whale sharks around you. And it's beautiful because all of these captains out there until my friends found this, this, this aggregation, aggregation being a group of animals that comes together for feeding purposes until he found this aggregation in about 2008, these captains were out there fishing sharks. They were, they were, they were spending their days, you know, long lining fishing sharks that East Harris was a big shark fishing Island. Once we found these animals, they started to turn their efforts towards conservation because they could, they had a sustainable resource there to take people out and show them daily. Look, the, the, you know, and they're making money. They don't have to bait hooks. They don't have to clean fish. It was easier on them, a, a, a sustainable, renew, you know, resource. And now they're, they've turned, they've gone from, um, his name is Rogelio Delgado. He is the captain that I use every trip I'm out there. And now he's a, he's a major shark conservationist. We go in the water. Someone's there for the first time. He says, do not touch my sharks. You know, he's, he has a, he has a fond affection for them now. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, he was pulling them on, on the deck, not whale sharks, but just sharks in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of scuba diving, um, my favorite all time, just for a, a very, uh, for an easy dive and it's a must do is Tiger Beach, Bahamas. And it's a very shallow dive. You're on scuba and you, and you can come as close to the bait as you want. You can sit a few feet back where you're not going to get close to any sharks because they have no interest in you as a diver it's strictly about the food and you can sit back about eight feet and you can you can watch these animals interact and do their thing right up close in crystal clear blue water so me like an average dude can dive in with the tiger sharks if i wanted to you can if you're certified to scuba dive you absolutely can i took a, a a girlfriend of mine a few years ago and she had dove just gotten certified did a, I think a, a lake dive to to get the certification. We did one ocean dive, and then about three weeks later, I took her to Tiger Beach and spent five days um, scuba diving with tiger sharks with zero experience. And 
not a very skilled swimmer and at, at least so. Wow. What does a trip like that cost? Like how, if I want to go with you on your organized trip, what is that going to cost me? Yeah. If, I mean, for the, uh, the, the, really the cost of the trips comes to the, to the bait. You got to have, cause that's, and that's expensive and that take, then that's what costs the most money. Um, to do a tiger shark trip for four days in the Bahamas would probably be about around $2,000. Um, if you go to do like a whale shark trip in Mexico for five days, it'd be about $1,500. And that would be like basically no airfare, give or take around there. But, um, it's, and it's the thing is, you know, um, you, what you can do it once, once every couple of years and you're, you're going to be fulfilled. It's, um, it's something that stays with you. I mean, after five days of swimming tiger sharks, you, you have dreams about them for, for years to come. It's, it's not something you need to keep doing. Um, but after one, I suggest everyone try to do something like it at least once because you come away from something like that, a pretty uh, different person. And how does somebody, um, if they want to jump on one of the trips that you organize, find you and, and that? That will be, that will be coming through the website, um, in the, in the coming days. Okay. Um, I'll have, I'll have um, all that set up. Perfect. So, yeah. Wow. Marshall, thank you so much for sharing all this. This has been enlightening. I'm going to, probably take you up on the tiger shark dive here pretty soon. I really hope you do, man. I would, I'd be, it'd be an honor to take you. And uh, I can't thank you enough for letting me uh, share some story and, and shed some light on these animals that I, I just really, uh, that I love so much, man. I can't, I can't appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. Of course, brother. Thank you for coming. I will uh, speak soon. All the best. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.